Hey, welcome back to The Encounter Show with me, Steve Chalmers. This week, we're going to be looking at Bible prophecy. I want to, as it's Christmas time, have a look at the wise men. How on earth did they know that the king above all kings would be born, where he was going to be, what time, what year? How did they know what gifts to bring him? And it's, I'm maybe going to challenge you to have a fresh look at the Magi, these wise men, and, and what they really meant to us and uh, stir us to look into Bible prophecy as well. But before I do that, I just want to say a big thanks for everyone who's tuned in and listened. We've had over 75,000 streams over the last 10 episodes on Spotify. So I just want to say thanks. And if you're listening on home radio, that's even better. Um, good shout out to our home radio listeners every Tuesday night. Well, let's kick off with the Magi. Who are they? Who, who were they who came to Mary's house and found a baby in, in a manger? Well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they came when he was two years old. But we'll have a look. Matthew chapter 2 says that Magi from the east saw a star, travelled from their home to the west, following a star looking for the Messiah. So you can go check it out in Matthew chapter 2. It talks about the Magi. They see his star, and when it rose, they came to worship him. And uh, King Herod asks the Magi, how do you know? Where the, where the Messiah is going to be born. And they said, oh, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem in Judea because that's what the prophet Isaiah wrote, who said, in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the Magi weren't Jews, but they tell uh, Herod, who should be the king of the Jewish people, hey, your guys, your own guys, Isaiah, uh, the prophet has said it's going to be in Bethlehem. And so they knew the exact time the star had appeared. And so Herod tells him to go and report and, and to tell him where, where, where it came, where it's going. And it said on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. So this star was moving and it stops above the, the exact place where baby Jesus is. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And then it says, verse 11, on coming to the house. That's funny. It tells us that they came to the house, but we knew he was born in a stable in an inn. So obviously they've turned up later when Jesus is a, he's not a newborn anymore. It says they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. So they turn up to a house. Luke tells us Jesus was born in a stable. Matthew tells us they turn up to a house. They're about two years late, but Jesus is there. The star shows them exactly. And it's funny, it never tells us that there's three wise men. We always get it on the Christmas cards. You've always got the star on there. You've got the three wise men on their, on their uh, camels and they've got the gifts. And we, I guess we assume there's three wise men because of the types of gifts. But actually, the Bible calls them magi. And magi is where we get the word magician. They were like astrologers. They weren't just wise men. They were, they were from the east, but they were into the dark arts and all things like that. And in, in the Bible, the east in biblical context is always a reference to Mesopotamia or Babylon. And we would call it in modern day Iraq. And that's where they saw the star. And I want to know, have you ever wondered, how did they even know to look for a star? You know, if you saw a star, what would it mean to you? Oh, there's a new star in the sky and it's moving around. You know, to them, it meant travel to Jerusalem and find Bethlehem. And so I want to ask, 
Why would Babylonians even care about a king in Jerusalem? Why would they care? They're from Babylon, they're from Mesopotamia. What would they care about a Messiah? And even the fact that the star was moving, no star does that, um, moving across the sky in different directions. It's, it's, this star wasn't a natural object. The only explanation we have, it was a manifestation of God made specifically for the purpose of finding Jesus, like the cloud of fire that the Israelites followed. It's a sign from God and not a natural phenomenon. So how did they know how to follow it? Well, if these magi are astrologers employed in Babylon, I kind of picture them a bit like Elon Musk meets Gandalf. These guys were super intelligent, and yet they were almost like wizards. They were, they were mucking around with spiritual stuff, and they had a superhero. The Babylonians had an absolute legend, and it was a Jew called Daniel. You see, Daniel, was, was, was the chief magi in the Bible. He was super smart, super healthy, super strong. He was super spiritual. I, I, I picture him a bit like Ben Shapiro meets Bill Gates, meets Nicky Gumbel, meets Jordan Peterson, all in one man. And he was captured as a young man from Israel by the Israelites. He was captured by the king of, the ba of Babylon um, and he was taken prisoner with his friends and he was trained in Babylon. And by the king uh, of, of, of Babylon, a long history of men for centuries had gone through, through Babylon. And we, we find that Daniel was literally their hero, these wise men. He interpreted the, the king's dreams, King Nebuchadnezzar, and his God became revered and famous throughout Babylon. None of the astrologers, none of the magi in the king's courts could interpret, interpret the king's dreams except for Daniel. He was the only one. And he wrote down his dreams and interpretations, and that is how we have the book of Daniel today. And he wrote the book of Daniel in Aramaic, the language used in Babylon. And that book was maintained as part of the history of the magi. And one of the things he wrote in his book in Daniel chapter 9, we have it in our Bibles, was the exact year the Messiah, the anointed one, who would bring salvation to Israel and to the world, would be born. And Daniel chapter 9, in the middle of repenting, so Daniel is repenting on behalf of his nation, saying, Lord, give me, give me instructions, give me a prophecy, tell me what's going to happen to Israel. This angel called Gabriel appeared. Now, Gabriel is like the Christmas angel. Every time we see Gabriel in the Bible, he's talking about the coming Messiah. And it's the same angel that comes to Mary and Joseph in the New Testament. And he appears in Daniel chapter 9. It says, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I'd seen earlier in the vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. And he says, I've come to give you, this is Daniel 9, chapter, 20, chapter 9, verse 22. Daniel, I've now come to give you insight and understanding. And he tells him, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgressions, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. And he says, 77s, so 70 times sevens, these are groups of seven years. He's telling you how many hundreds of years it will be until it is the end 
of all of its sacrifice and sin will be forgiven and pardoned forever. So Gabriel, the same angel who appears to Mary, had appeared to Daniel and predicts the year Jesus would be born hundreds of years before he was actually born. So they knew from the time of Daniel, it would be about 483 years before they start rebuilding the temple after it gets smashed down. And so they knew it would be in this time period. And so this dramatic prophecy features certain things in a very clear and unmistakable terms. First, the Messiah was to be born on earth 483 years after the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. And secondly, after his appearance on earth, he was to be killed, not for his own sins, but rather of those of others. And the death he would die was to be the death of the penalty of the law. You know, the wages of sin is death. And thirdly, the death of the Messiah had to come sometime before Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed again, which occurred in the year 70. So this is more proof that the Bible is God-breathed. This is amazing. So the Babylonian astrologers knew exactly to look at the exact time because one of their own, Daniel, had told them to expect the ruler, the anointed one. That's what the, the Messiah means. So why would the astrologers pay any attention to Daniel's words? Because he was made their leader for a time. His mates got thrown in fire and didn't burn. He shut the mouths of lions. He was the stuff legends were made of. And when something concerning his God and his prophecies came up, they dropped everything to follow it. They got serious. This was life-changing for the whole planet and they knew it. Now we know why the Magi would be looking for the sign for generations. But how did they know the star was the sign? Daniel never mentioned a star. He just told them the time and the year, when, when to expect something. They were on high alert. But Daniel was not the first biblical character to serve in the Babylonian court of astrologers. He wasn't the first time the Israelite God, Yahweh, had made himself known to them. There was another prophet written in the Bible, also served in the court of Babylon, and he served thousands of years before Daniel did. And he was a, na a man named Balaam. And he wasn't even an on-fire Jew. He was a proper astrologer, a proper Babylonian. He was a wise magi. He was into all sorts of dark arts and sorcery and magic. He was like, he, he, was, he really was like a Harry Potter type dude. He was a real dark guy. And Balaam lived in Mesopotamia. We call, we call it Babylon or Iraq. And when the Israelites had escaped Egypt hundreds of years before Daniel, when the Israelites had escaped Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, millions of them were wandering around and they all wandered into a place called Moab. And the king of Moab was a man called Balak. And he was absolutely terrified that this massive nation was going to come to his territory and take it over. This is in uh, the book of Numbers. So he sent Balaam, his prophet, to go down and curse the nation of Balaam. But in Numbers 22 to 24, Balaam is sent by the king, Balak, to go and curse Israel. But he only speaks blessings over the Israelites, even though the king of Moab wanted to curse them. And Balaam uh, finishes his prophecy with this in Numbers 22. This is the message of Balaam, son of Beor, the message of the man whose eyes see clearly. Verse 16, the message of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who bows down with eyes wide open. 
So in the middle of the king sending this dark prophet Balaam to come and curse Israel, he has this massive God encounter and he sees really clearly in the spirit. He sees God. He gets this knowledge from God the Most High. In this vision of the God Almighty, he bows down and he says, I see him. Verse 17, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future, a star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the heads of Moab's people, cracking the skulls of the people of Sheph. Edom will be taken over. Seir, its enemy, will be conquered while Israel marches on it. A ruler in Jacob who will destroy the survivors of Ur. So Balaam, he starts prophesying this Messiah, this ruler that's going to come out, and he starts off a star. This will be your sign. I can see it, not here, but not here and now, but in the future I see it. A star will rise up from Jacob. And he talks about it will destroy the survivors of Ur. Ur is a sinful city made by Nimrod, whose generations became sinful like Nineveh. They were like barbarians. They were evil, spiritually dark people. And Balaam, this Babylonian who'd seen angels, his donkey even spoke to him. This guy was famous to the astrologers, to the magi, to the wise men. They, they wished they could have his experience. But he said, I see in the future a star will rise up. So the Magi's two main prophecies regarding Israel were one, a star will rise from Jacob, that is Israel. Two, his scepter will rise, that is a king and authority and rule. Three, it will crush the head of Moab's people. And four, the Magi knew that the year according to Daniel is right here and now. So they were like, let's put two and two together here. We're looking for a ruler to be born. What do we know about rulers? Oh yeah, Balaam said a scepter will rise and a star. So that must be our sign. They just knew. It's like when you get into Bible prophecy, you start to see patterns and behaviors and cycles and you just start to interpret it. You know, they obviously didn't have Google back then. But what they did have was the spiritual world wide web. It was called the night sky. So what they looked for was different. And they were looking for a star when the day of the Messiah came. That's amazing. God did it over centuries. And that's why the word is so important. Even the ungodly nations like Babylon used the word to find Jesus. So the Magi knew where to find him, what sign to look for, and where. They even knew that the king would be born in Bethlehem. Well, how did they know that? Well, Micah 5.2, another prophet in the Old Testament, says, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come for you who will be a shepherd for my people Israel. And they quoted that prophecy to Herod when he asked, where will the king be born? And they said, oh, in Bethlehem, Micah says it. That's one of the things you can't choose where you were born. Jesus fulfilled 33 prophecies just being born and a further 300 prophecies Jesus fulfilled through his life, death and resurrection, all from the Old Testament written over hundreds of years. Mathematically speaking, the odds of anyone fulfilling this amount of prophecy are staggering. Mathematicians put it this way. One person fulfilling eight prophecies in their lifetime is one in 10 to the 16th power. That means one in 10 with 16 zeros following it. Persons fulfilling 48 prophecies, one chance in 10 to the 157th power. What? But one person fulfilling 300 prophecies, only Jesus. 
Only Jesus can do that. So we have Balaam, Daniel, and Micah all prophesying, and the Magi used these prophecies. But even Isaiah had said about the new king, this new ruler being born. Isaiah said, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen on you, for darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. And he goes on, and he tells us, he says, A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels, he's prophesying about the Messiah coming. He says, a multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you and rams of Naboth shall minister to you. They shall be acceptable on my altar and I will glorify my house. So he's saying camels will turn up. People will bring gold and frankincense, gold for the king, frankincense for the priest. Shepherds will gather. And he's saying the light of the world will arise and it will be for all people, from those who can afford camels to shepherds who have sheep, young, old, rich and poor. They will all meet you. So Herod tells the, the, the wise men when they say it's going to be Bethlehem, he says, go there, find out if this child has been born, then come back and tell me. But they go there. And it says they bring out, they open their chests, they find gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Where, where the star is over, they find the baby, they give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they were filled with joy. They bow down and worship him. Gold was for the king above all kings. When you bring an offering, it should be costly. You don't just throw shrapnel in the bowl for the king. This baby is the king above all kings. His kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. And it looks nothing like what you think it does frankincense for the priesthood. Jesus came to fulfill the priesthood and make an end to it. All men can now access the Father through Jesus, not just by going to your priest and saying, will you make me clean? Will you give me access to God? Will you give me forgiveness? Every man, it said, when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain temple was ripped so that everyone had access to the Holy of Holies. Jesus came as the high priest and we can just go straight to him. And then myrrh. Myrrh was what they used as an anointing oil for the burial of the dead. It showed Jesus was not only human, but that he would die as a sacrifice as prophesied by Daniel. Jesus was the Messiah. The ones the Jews were looking for to save them, and some of them missed it. But the Babylonian Magi knew the date and the way he would come, and they found him. It's amazing that we even have a Bible. It's full of prophecy fulfilled and yet to come. But most importantly, it tells us that because Jesus was born to a virgin, died and rose again, we are now able to receive forgiveness from our sins and enter a relationship with God. He was called Emmanuel, God with us. What is amazing is that God's plan was for us to be in his presence all along. It started that way with Adam and Eve, with relationship. Sin messed that up. So Jesus was sent to rectify it. And now God has made a way for us through Jesus. We no longer need to wait for a sign from the sky. We have the word of God. It tells us everything we need to know, that God loves us so much that he gave his most precious thing to him, his son, that we might have eternal life if we believe in him. The Magi believe they travel across the countries on camels, following a star in the desert and even risking Herod killing them so they could lay gifts at the feet of the true king. We have even more access to the word than the Magi. 
We've got Google and YouTube, the most powerful search engines in the world. But more prophecy is being fulfilled right as we speak. Let's be like the Magi and be ready. You know, Romans 10, 9 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. If you don't know Jesus today, I want to offer you the opportunity to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible is not just a storybook. It's so powerful. It leads us, guides us to the truth, to Jesus. And I want to pray a simple prayer and I invite you to pray this with me at home. Even if you've never spoken to Jesus or acknowledged him as God, I would like to invite you to say this prayer to begin this relationship with him. Understanding that you can be in relationship with him if you confess he is Lord. He is God and he died as a sacrifice for your sins and rose again. That's what the Magi were coming to witness. Let's just pray together. Dear Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your only son, that he came down to our earth in the flesh and died on the cross to take away all of my sins and all the sins of this world. I believe that Jesus Christ then rose from the dead on the third day to give us all eternal life. Lord Jesus, I now confess to you all of the wrong and sinful things that I've ever done in my life. I ask that you please forgive me and wash away all of my sins by the blood that you have personally shed for me on the cross. I'm now ready to accept you as my personal Lord and Saviour, and I now ask that you come into my life and live with me for all of eternity and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let me know if you prayed that prayer. You can reach out to me on uh, Instagram, find us on The Encounter Show or on YouTube, The Encounter Show. If you're listening on home radio, you can also listen to other episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want to say happy Christmas, guys. Have a great week and just come and worship the King this year. Come and bow down, surrender to him, bring your gold, bring your frankincense and your myrrh and honour the King above all kings. Have a great Christmas.